If you have your Bible with you, would you pull that out and turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 2. We're going to be looking at the story of Jesus coming to us. You know, uh, this is the final Sunday in Advent, um, as the Browns reminded us this morning in the lighting of the candle, lighting those candles. It's a, a reminder that we're waiting. We're waiting on our Savior to come and remembering that uh, in this day He is coming again. And in those candles, we remember that the Savior comes um, and gives to us uh, hope and peace joy. And today we're examining this gift of love that comes to us in a manger. And so we're going to read this story. And um, you know, it, it oftentimes in this season, we hear uh, and see pictures of, you know, Bethlehem nativities and uh, just so, you know, sweet and serene. But today I, I want to remind you just how dangerous, how risky love really is. Would you stand if you're able? Hear the word of the Lord this morning, Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David... A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. He'll be assigned to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. And when the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the, angels, or the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And then let me share with you from 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. John writes, This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we ask today that You would speak to our hearts. Remind us of the incredible, dangerous life that your son lived for us, that we might live a radically trusting, fulfilled, dangerous life in Christ through the love given to us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I don't normally title my sermons, but today, just for the sake of piquing your curiosity, chickens, zebras, and sheep, oh my. Chickens, zebras, and sheep, oh my. Could we, um, could we look at this story that we've read together. Normally, we would kind of um, pull out our uh, microscopes, go through the details of the story. We've heard it, many of us, many, many times. Today, I want to ask us to back up and look through our telescope. The, the big picture of the story of God 
sending his son. My wife and I, we, we have for the last 27 years, we've tried to be faithful to uh, a weekly date night. And normally our date night begins about noon on Friday when we're texting each other going, hey, looking forward to tonight. Where do you want to eat? You know, it always centers around food, you know. And, and you know, there's only a few restaurants in town. So after 27 years, wherever we've lived, you know, we've hit them all many, many, many times, right? And so anytime we'll go in, the two of us, and slide into a booth, and the waitress comes and hands us our menus, we'll take a few moments to look, and, and I'll put my menu down, and, and uh, the waitress will come and say, can I take your order? And I'll try to be a gentleman and defer to my wife. And my wife will say, um, and she'll start asking questions about the menu. And then she'll say, why don't you go ahead and go, Kevin? Because if you go, then I'll have time to, and I'll say, I'll have the ribeye steak fries, salad with blue cheese, right back to you. You know, like, like how long did you think? I used to pride myself in how decisive I was. You know, I'm a man. I know what I want, you know. I know what I want in women, and she's right across the table from me. I know what I want in food. You know, I, I've come to discover, though, um, that's probably a lot less about my decisiveness and a lot more about my unwillingness to risk trying something new. Why pay 20 bucks for something you've never had on the menu when that one thing you go to every single time is so good? Kevin and I, we've, we've talked about this, right? Right? I'm chicken to try the chicken. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid, at least when it comes to my, you know, food, I'm afraid to try new things when, when I know something that I love so much, it's right there in front of me. Are, are you more of a chicken or a daredevil? Tr- truth is, we all probably have a, a little bit of both in our DNA coursing through our blood. You know, you just get out of bed in the morning. That's a choice, and it comes with risks. If you've ever shampooed your hair and, like, you know, dangerous, living on the wild side, said, I'm, I'm going to skip the, sh- the, the conditioner today. You've just taken a risk. If you walked outside even to the, this morning in, in, in the, the winter um, and, and you stepped outside even momentarily without lathering up in sunscreen SB 150, you may as well be playing with fire. There's a little bit of a daredevil in, in every single one of us. But there's this dangerous, seductive, almost alluring relationship between risk and stupidity. Some years ago, there, there was a, a, a young man. They actually made a documentary in which they took his own, um, you know, kind of rough film footage. He decided that he wanted to go up to Alaska and live with the bears. Wild grizzly bears. Have you seen this documentary? Can you guess how the documentary ended? They found his camera somewhere up on a hill in the remote area of Alaska. And the saddest part was on that very last trip that he made, he thought he could just kind of live among these wild bears. But he took his girlfriend with him. Risk and and wisdom, they, they need to stick together. You know, we, we see people take risks all the time for themselves. We do it to, to strengthen our portfolio, to make ourselves appear more marketable, to cushion our retirement. 
We all still take selfish risks, hoping nobody else will notice what I've done in the dark. We steal. We lie. We cover up. Self-centered sin is continually taking deadly, stupid risks. It's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. Trust me, God says. And they did their own thing, and then they decided to hide, to, to protect themselves, to guard themselves, even from one another. It's what humanity continues to do every day in the choices that we make. But genuine healthy risk, it, it takes place in the context of self-giving love. It's truly amazing what people will do for the sake of love. Love will invite us and, and at times require us to do some crazy, stupid, radical things for love. My friend Gus, I've known Gus for a while, he and his wife Kelly. And, and Kelly, one of the things that she just loved to do was to treat herself with a pedicure. I've never had a pedicure. But she would go to her husband, Gus, and say, Gus, would you come with me? And he would say, here's my wallet, take everything, but no way I'm going with you. Gus was like a man's man. Uh, He wore um, calluses on his hands, work boots on his feet. Uh, He was a construction worker, operated a backhoe. He was a man's man. Ain't no way he's getting a pedicure. I remember we were kind of talking about love and, you know, marriage and all that kind of stuff. One summer, our church, we had, uh, it was 4th of July Sunday, and we had worship and a picnic in the park. And Gus comes walking up in shorts and flip-flops, and his toenails were painted red, white, and blue. (laughs) Gus rolled the dice. He said, my wife made me do it. And then he pulled me aside, and after he'd, you know, kind of got a ribbing from some of the guys, love takes risks, even risking our own reputation. But he pulled me aside, and he said, dude, it's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It was not his last pedicure. Love takes risks. And not, while not all decisions make, um, you know, bear the same kinds of weight of, in terms of consequences, Still, every decision we make, it has consequences. For example, you choose to speak up and and tell the truth in a matter, and sometimes you risk being misunderstood, thought to be judgmental or wishy-washy. Or if you choose to shut up, to remain silent, and you risk being thought a fool. Choose to open up to another, trusting them to see your wounds coming alongside of them and exposing yourself in healthy ways, but saying, here I am. I want to love you and let you love me. And you expose your weaknesses and take advantage. They can take advantage of your vulnerability. One thing the Christmas story teaches us is that the fundamental truth that God's love is risky business. It's a love that that gives its life his life away. Look at 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives 
for our brothers and sisters. Love takes risks. We can so sanitize this story that we read together, the manger scene of little mama and her baby, the hillside announcement by the angels to the shepherds. It becomes you know, kind of like that Christmas ornament that you take out you know, from its sheltered place in the basement or up in the attic, and you pull it out and carefully unwrap it, hang it on the tree, and tell the kids not to touch. And then after four weeks or so of remembering the story, how beautiful and serene and wonderful it all is, then you take it down, you wrap the story back up, and you put it away until next Christmas. And if we're not careful, we don't smell the stink of the Bethlehem stable. If we're not careful, we don't see the risk that God took in in coming to certain people and not others, the way, the method in which God came. A a more careful examination of the story, it 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 reveals a God who takes incredible risks. First of all, just think about this. God in His glory in heaven, the angels surrounding Him, completely magnifying, glorifying His name night and day, And he steps down from that heaven into our hell. He he takes on flesh and vulnerability and weakness, lying in diapers. And he allowed himself ultimately to be crucified. Love risks everything. He comes in the form of an unborn baby in a teenage mommy's tummy. I mean, we all know what the world does to unborn babies, right? Wrapped in vulnerability, King Herod, the one who's truly on the throne, catches wind of another king. Love risks everything. Born in Bethlehem, yet raised in Nazareth, you know nothing good comes in Nazareth. Love risks reputation. God gave what he loved most, knowing it would be crushed and bruised for our sin. John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. There's a risk when we give our lives away for the sake of the gospel. Um, Today we're going to be receiving our Advent offering giving sacrificially for the sake of Jesus and the mission. Sam and Christy Seneca, I shared this with you a while ago, but Sam and Christy, they had a lucrative job um, back in Illinois. And then God called this young couple to give it away, to move your family, including your little children, to the Dominican Republic. And I tell you what, Sam and Christy prayed on this and began to seek wise counsel. Is this from God or... Or, or just the, the tacos talking, and over time discerning that this is the voice of God. As they begin to share with loved ones and friends and those that worked for them in the workforce, that, that God was telling them to put it all aside, to take nothing with them, to go to a culture in which they didn't even speak the language, let, them know all, let, them, let alone know, you know where they're going and what they're doing. They were thought to be crazy. They were, they were thought to be 
nuts. Sam and Christy risked uh, everything, being misunderstood, thought foolish by a few. How God came to us, it says something about the nature of love, that risk is involved. Just think about the cast of characters that we read about this morning. Mary, a a young girl, no, no credibility. Women didn't have any credibility in court. And yet the first one that he shows up to is is this young, yet-to-be-married woman. How scandalous. God, you, you, you could have picked a, a different method of coming. God took a risk. He came to Joseph. Joseph already, with good intentions, said, you know what, I'll just divorce her quietly. I mean, he was already taking a risk. And God comes to Joseph, and I mean just totally raises the roof in terms of the risk that he asks Joseph to take. Trust me, I'm working in your life, and I'm working in Mary's life. This is risky business, but I want you, Joseph, to trust me and take her as his wife. This is the means. You are the means by which I am bringing salvation to the world. What a daredevil is our God. And and then think about the shepherds. Like women, shepherds, they didn't, they didn't have any credibility in court. Their word wasn't authoritative, and, authoritative, and yet they're the ones called to, to go and, and announce this good news, to go and see, and then go and tell. Their jobs were to hang out with sheep, oftentimes not their own. And so they were just kind of, you know, punch-the-clock kinds of workers. They couldn't be trusted. They, they stunk worked the night shift operating in the darkness they weren't trusted they were hired hands while there were some shepherds like david who who watched over their own father's flock for the most part shepherds were thought to be ones that at the first sign of danger they would just kind of you know hey this wasn't my deal And yet God entrusts the light of the world, the gift of His Son, to these marginalized shepherds who operate out in the darkness, out in the field. You wonder about shepherds, even their social skills. And yet God came to the marginalized. God came to the smelly. God came to the young. God came to those without any say, any authority. And God still comes to those folks, to you and to me. That that is his plan. He took incredible risk. Can I can I ask you, are you a risk taker by nature? Or, or do you play it safe? Are you willing to try the, the fish, you know, the, the lobster, or do you just stick with the ribeye? Are you a risk taker? Did you know that in creation, God the architect, the the way that he designed us, he created us for this this ability to to radically trust and love in the context of our relationship, a trusting relationship with our Father. And then to, to take that radical, risky kind of love and to open ourselves up, to be vulnerable, to commit to one another regardless of how the other might treat us. That is a risky kind of love. But, but here's what sin did. You go back to the garden and, and you see it. Adam and Eve, they, they started playing the blame game. They wanted to protect themselves, protect their reputation. 
They, they started hiding from one another. You know, in our country, we uphold this kind of rugged individualism that, that takes risks of all kinds. And, and in part, it's because true, healthy risk, it's, it's in our nature. That's, that's a part of who we are, but, but it's a selfish kind of risk. It's a risk that we'll take for ourselves. But we also, we, we tend to hide. We tend to be chicken. It's been nearly three decades since the renowned Stanford University biologist Robert Sapolsky. He wrote this, um, this story. He wrote this book. It's called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. He tells this story about zebras, and, and um, Jordan Peterson, the, the, the doctor, he says, he says, if you get this story, you're going to get humanity. Everything you know, need to know about humans, he says, it's in this story. So zebras. Zebras, hypothetically, they're, they're camouflaged. But just take a look at the picture. It's what everybody says, but that's really not the case. Lions are camouflaged. Lions can hide in their crouching and, and waiting to devour. The brown, like the desert lands, they can hide as they hunt and seek to feed. But, but zebras, they stand out. So why did God create the zebras the way that he did? You know, there, there really isn't a zebra until it's been cornered by a hungry den of lions. There's only a, a herd of zebras. And so zebras actually camouflage against the herd. That's, that's something to really think about. The stripes of the zebra are the zebra's jargon. So let's say some zebra biologists are, are going to go out and, you know, kind of, um, they're into their safari jeep, and they're going to study the zebra herd. Now, they can watch the entire herd moving as a whole, but to truly understand a zebra, you've got a single one out, right? And so you can just imagine the biologist thinking, how in the world do we single out a zebra? They're, they're watching this single one within the context of the herd, and they write, look down to write something, and then they look back up, and they're like, wait, wait, which, which one was it? And so they have this idea, we need to mark a zebra. We need to identify, so they hop in the Jeep, they drive up next to one, they take a long stick or something, and you know, put a rag on the end and mark it with red paint, and they just kind of put a bullseye. Uh, a mark right on the you know, side of the haunch of the zebra, or, or maybe they clip it the way they do cattle. But some way they think we've got to fix this problem. We've got to mark, we've got to identify this particular zebra. And do you know when a, a zebra comes out of a crowd, when a zebra gets marked in any way, do you know what happens normally to that zebra? It gets devoured. <laughs> the lions eat it. You know, the lions, they can't hunt a zebra unless they can identify it. Now, you know, we might say, well, the lions are part of the, you know, ecosystem and the chain of life, and so they just kind of help to weed out the, you know, the, the young and the, you know, the, the sick or, or whatever. But, you know, I don't think the lions are necessarily that nice 
and that purpose driven, you know. I think what they do is they, they need to say, hey, if we're going to hunt together, we need to identify. And so they'll chase and they'll whatever, but ultimately they're able to identify a particular zebra to hunt. The, the predator has to be able to identify its prey. So what's the moral of the story? If you stand out, the lions will get you. And so what... What Sapolsky says about humanity is this. We Americans, as much as we value this kind of individual, you know, rugged um, kind of let's stand out, that really at the heart of humanity, we just want to hide. We just don't want to be noticed. Why? You know what the opposite of love is? It's not hate. It's fear. We're afraid of standing out. We're afraid of standing up. We're afraid of speaking up. And so we hide. We don't want to be vulnerable. We certainly don't want to be devoured by the lions. You think of people who stood up like Abraham Lincoln in a time of war. You think about Martin Luther Kings, both men stood up and spoke out, and both men had bullseyes painted right on their heads. We don't, by nature, want to take risks because we instinctively know that there are lions out there. We may have this inner desire to risk it all for the sake of love. We may have knelt at one of these altars or a, you know, a similar place and said, God, I surrender all that I am to you. But you and I know every day there are lions out there. Even on Sunday morning, you, you risk it all and somebody's going to be laughing at your toenails. You take risks for the sake of love and, and see what happens. This is how we know what love is. God risked it all. He gave his son. He took a chance on the weak, the marginalized. He willingly faced humiliation, public shame, excruciating physical pain, relational disconnect. And why did God do it? To draw us back to self-giving love. Do not be afraid, the angel said. God has come to you. And in his holiness, in his love, his vulnerability, in the midst of your everything besides that, when the other comes to you, don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of him. Love has come to you. I bring you good news. I bring you good news that will be of great joy. Risk it all. Embrace the Savior. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of Him. Don't be afraid of love. Don't be afraid to give your life away. Come come and follow me. But you want to go to a cross. Come and follow me. Risk it all. There, There is something beyond Friday. There is something beyond the grave. 
Jesus said to his followers, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. I'm sending you into the smelly stable. I'm sending you to to the marginalized and the weak. I'm sending you empowered with a love that that does not come from your own twisted, perverted self, but I'm going to transform your nature by the presence of my Son within you that you can radically give your life away. And just like the angels come and announce, don't be afraid, world. Don't be afraid to risk it all. There's a reason why I'm not seeking that promotion. I'm risking it all because I love my kids. I love my family. I want to be home at night. Love is risky, but it brings great joy. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Are you a chicken, a zebra, or a sheep? Jesus loves you. Just look at that picture behind us. I love that. I love that stained glass photo. Jesus loves you. And he risked everything for you. And for me, and to say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. God, be my Savior. Be my King. Can I just tell you that is the good news response? But church, can I also remind you that to receive love is to give love away. To to give love away to, to, to allow if somebody slaps you on the cheek to, to turn the other one as well. If somebody asks for your, your coat to say, well, let me give you something else as well. I can see that you really need and we give until it hurts. Love is risky business. Are you a chicken, a zebra, or a sheik? Jesus, the good shepherd, He's come for you. He's come for me. And and he's transforming the world, one one new person, one new creation at a time. I want to just encourage you this morning to receive the risky love of God. You may feel like one of the shepherds, so marginalized, so unworthy of God's love, and yet it is, it is you that he wants to critically use in powerful ways, strategically. If you're willing to risk it all, say, love, love, come to me. And now, love, help me to give you away. What, what risk have you taken recently for the sake of love? To be the first to say, you know what, I'm in this for the long haul. I'll be vulnerable. I'll trust you. I'll give. What risks have you taken for the sake of love? I'm not talking about moving out to Alaska and living among the bears. But I'm talking about a radical trusting love that because the Father so loves me, I will give my life 
away. In just a moment, we're going to um, sing a song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. Can I just remind you that to go tell it on the mountain means climbing a mountain? And some of us aren't necessarily fit to climb mountains, but it means to go into the low valleys. It means to go not just to the popular people, but to the shepherds out on the smelly hills. To go tell it on the mountain means to go and risk it all for the sake of love. Church, love has come to you. And the way that we receive it is to share it. I'm going to have our, uh, our, um, uh, our mindset to get centered around giving. We've been talking about this Advent conspiracy offering, and today is the day when we will receive this offering. And the Advent conspiracy offering is... Um, it's money will be uh, given 100% of it to our missionaries, Sam and Christy Seneca, f- for a project there in Dom- the Dominican Republic, a-, a local church, the Alcarizos Church of the Nazarene. I shared this story with you a few weeks ago, but um, this is a, a church, a-, a local church of the Nazarene in the Dominican Republic, but they've got a problem. They're uh, just kind of right in the heart of a neighborhood and there's just kids like crawling everywhere. And they started a daycare center, and we kind of know their story, but their building just can't hold all of the kids that are coming. And so they're trying to add on, they're trying to be obedient to God to create um, some good space. And you know that just building, you know, bricks and mortar construction, it costs. And so the project is going to cost about 20,000 American dollars. Um, I think, you know what, I said that wrong, but it's going to cost a lot of money. We want to get involved. We want to get involved. And so uh, here's how we can do this. At the end of the service, after the blessing, as you go, we have offering boxes at both doors. And you can just drop a a check in there and and mark your check. Make it payable to Restoration Church, but just know we're going to take everybody's uh, offerings, make one big check, and send it uh, to our... uh, Uh, General Treasurer of the Church of the Nazarene. Every penny is going to go to the project. So you can um, mark your checks, make them out to Restoration Church of the Nazarene, but on the memo, be sure to note Dominican Republic or DR so that it doesn't get marked as um, just regular tithes. I want you to see here some um, instructions. If you're an online giver, um, you can go to our website and uh, right at the top, um, the, one of the labels there that you can click on is to give, and you can just kind of see those instructions as you kind of go down the screen on the, on the Give tab. Um, there's a little place for you to click on um, a scroll down, and you'll just see the Advent Conspiracy Project. And so if you're able to uh, give online, uh, wait to the end of the service, and you can sit right there and do it on your phone, or if you want to wait until afterwards, um, we'll give you until next week to do that. And so we want, to, um, we want to do this well. My understanding, I wasn't here with you last year, but my understanding is that this church is a generous church. We take risks even financially. I, my understanding is this church gave over $8,000 last year for a, a project, a local project. And so I want our hearts to be not just local, but God, you've called us into all the world. And so we want to be a part of that. Let's, let's take a risk. Let's take a risk for the sake of love. I, I, I know some of you didn't come ready to give financially. 
But as you get ready to go from this place, let's go tell it on the mountains. Let's go tell it dark in the dark valleys. Let's go tell it to that coworker that we have been avoiding like the plague. God draws near. Let's draw near to our world. Not be of the world, but share with them through our lives the message of love.